Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. You might be right. It's simple, but something you almost never hear in politics today, with each side more concerned about scoring political points than solving problems. I'm Bill Haslam, a Republican. And I'm Phil Bredesen, a Democrat. We're former Tennessee governors, and we invite you to listen to our podcast, You Might Be Right. Join us and guests like Al Gore, Paul Ryan, Judy Woodruff, as we take on important issues facing our country. Listen and subscribe to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee. Welcome to the Smirconish Podcast for Independent Minds. Will Fox settle the defamation action where they are being sued by Dominion. Interesting, a friend of mine, Ron, Ron X, sent me a note before I came on air, and he said, I wonder if you'd get a different result if you asked, will Dominion settle? And he makes a really interesting point because, yes, I'm presupposing in the question that Dominion, if presented with a big check, is going to take the money and run. Maybe not. Maybe maybe they want to go. Maybe they want to put Fox through some additional embarrassment before they resolve the case. They're seeking one point six billion in damages. You know, Dominion, the maker of electronic voting technology, is suing Fox in Delaware and accusing Fox of knowingly broadcasting falsehoods about the company's software and linking it to voter fraud in the 2020 presidential election. We are now. And these things sometimes get delayed, but we're 11 days away from the start of trial. And what's happened since we were last together is that the court in Delaware has said that 92-year-old Rupert Murdoch may be called to testify. In other words, they, they won't shield him by simply allowing the trial to now look at his deposition testimony is, I think, videotaped trial testimony. What it means is that all of the marquee names at Fox... We're talking Tucker Carlson, Sean Hannity, Brett Baer, uh, Dana Perino, Lou Dobbs, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, are all going, if it goes on, if the case goes to trial, they will all have to appear in a Delaware courtroom, including Rupert Murdoch and Suzanne Scott, the chief executive of Fox News. I'm asking if you think Fox is going to pay and make this case go away. My friend Ron is right. I'm accepting that Dominion will take the check because in the end, this is a dispute over money damages. I know I've said some of this before. I just can't stress how rare it has, how rare it is to have a case that from the sidelines seems to be such a strong defamation action where the plaintiff, Dominion, is a public figure, meaning that a simple negligence standard it's it's not just that, you know, they were sloppy. No, no, no. You've got to show actual malice. What's actual malice? Knowledge of falsity or reckless disregard for the truth. And based on what I've read, I've followed it pretty closely. I've I've read a number of the pleadings and attached to them. They've had deposition testimony. They've had emails. They've had texts. It seems like it's a very convincing case. They knew 
they knew that the information they were putting on the air was was false. They had knowledge of falsity. I mean, to me, this is like the epitome of knowledge of falsity because back and forth off air, these marquee talent names and executives were acknowledging that a lot of this was just batshit crazy. So why did they keep doing it? They kept they kept doing it because they were scared to death of their audience. And they saw in real time, in the aftermath of the election, they saw in real time that the audience was abandoning them. When Fox called the the election in Arizona for Joe Biden, and they were the first, they immediately lost audience share. When there was, and Chris Steyerwald ended up losing his job. When there was some rudimentary fact-checking by reporters of things being said by loosely described Team Trump and reporters would point out that none of that which had been said was true, immediately the audience abandoned Fox. Where did they go? They went to OAN and Newsmax, all of which was being monitored by Rupert Murdoch, Suzanne Scott, the other executives. They, I mean, they created, they created a Frankenstein audience. The audience was so dependent and wanted to believe the lie and was essentially through, you know, voting with their feet, demanding that Fox continue to give it to them. And Fox made a decision that they were going to do that. They were going to continue to take the money and run, even though they knew that these claims were bogus. There's a brand new piece it was released after the newsletter was dispatched today, or at least I saw it after the newsletter was dispatched today. So I'll probably circle around to it tomorrow. Jim Rutenberg at the New York Times, who covers the media. It's the New York Times magazine for this coming weekend. How Fox chased its audience down the rabbit hole. It begins this way. I just want to give you a couple of tastes of this. On the evening of November 19, 2020, Rupert Murdoch was watching TV and crawling the walls of his 18th century mansion in the British countryside while under strict pandemic lockdown. The television hosts at Murdoch's top cable network, Fox News, might have scoffed at such unyielding adherence to COVID protocols, but Jerry Hall, his soon-to-be fourth ex-wife and no fan of Fox or its conservative hosts, was insisting that Murdoch approaching his 90th birthday remain cautious. You get this whole picture? The big story that day, as it had been every day in the two weeks since the election, was election theft. And now Rudy Giuliani was giving a news conference at the Republican National Committee. I'm sure you remember this. With Sidney Powell, the right-wing attorney and conspiracy theorist at his side, Giuliani, sweating profusely, black hair dye dripping down the side of his face, spun a wild fantasy about Joe Biden stealing the election from Donald Trump. Dizzying in its delusional complexity, it centered on a supposed plot by the Clinton Foundation, George Soros, and associates of Hugo Chavez to convert Trump votes into Biden votes by way of software from Smartmatic and voting machines from Dominion Voting Systems. Murdoch wasn't pleased. He built the most powerful media empire on the planet by understanding what his audience wanted and giving it to them without fear or judgment. 
But Trump now appeared to be making a serious bid to overturn a legitimate election, and his chaos agents, his personal lawyer, Giuliani chief among them, were creating dangerous new appetites. Now Murdoch was faced with holding the line on reporting the facts or following his audience all the way into the land of conspiracy theories. Neither choice was necessarily good for business. At 5.01 p.m. London time, he sent an email to his friend Syed Mosseini, an Afghan-Australian media mogul, sometimes referred to as the Afghan Rupert Murdoch, from his iPhone. Quote, just watched Giuliani press conference, he wrote, stupid and damaging. Shortly after, he sent another email, this one to his Fox News chief executive, Suzanne Scott. Terrible stuff, damaging everybody, I fear, probably hurting us too. And Rutenberg then goes on to put together the chronology of, of what was going on within Fox, the consternation that they were feeling about saying things that they knew weren't true, but recognizing that they would lose audience as well. Here, the network's coverage of the Giuliani News Conference showed how impossible this balancing act would be. Immediately afterward, a Fox News White House correspondent, Kristen Fisher, went to the network's camera position outside the West Wing and fact-checked Giuliani's allegations. Quote, so much of what he said was simply not true, she told Fox viewers. Giuliani, she said, provided no hard proof for the claim that, quote, really cuts to the core of the democratic process. Fox's opinion hosts who'd been broadcasting the Giuliani-Powell-Dominion fantasies to varying degrees themselves, some appearing to endorse them outright, had been complaining internally that the news division's debunking efforts were alienating the core audience. An executive at Fox Corporation, the network's parent, had recently started a brand protection effort to, among other tasks, defend the brand in real time. After Fisher's segment, the group sent an alert to top news executives in a follow-up, Scott vented to a deputy, I can't keep defending these reporters who don't understand our viewers and how to handle stories. We have damaged their trust and belief in us. Don't let your eyes glaze over. You understand what I'm saying? A reporter goes to a stand-up and correctly says, Giuliani's statements are bogus. And now you've got the top executive at Fox saying, I can't keep defending these reporters, meaning the fact checkers. We have damaged their trust and belief in us. One of Fisher's bosses told her that she needed to do a better job respecting our audience. Fisher later later complained of feeling sidelined. So. Case is 11 days away from trial. Again, maybe there'll be a delay in this sort of thing. Uh, I think they got to write a big, big check to make it go away. Here's a, here are a couple of, of residual questions, and, and hopefully we can talk about this. What will be the impact on 2024, assuming the case settles and a billion-dollar check gets written? I think that's a, a, a legitimate possibility. Or what if the case goes to trial and, you know, you— you have reports of Tucker Carlson, not just that he was texting with Sean Hannity and saying, have you seen the stock price today? This is killing the company. But now he's actually being held accountable for that on the newsstand. I mean, it does raise an interesting question of whether the audience would ever be the wiser 
because Fox doesn't cover this. So however big a trial it might be, you know, maybe the people who are media siloed and only relying on terrestrial talk and Fox and the usual conservative out, they just won't even touch it. Does it ever reach them? I wonder. But I'm asking you today in the poll question whether they're going to write a check and make it go away. My friend Ron X raises a really good point. Maybe, you know, maybe Dominion won't be willing to settle it. Although it's a claim for money damages. Like, is, is Dominion really going to take one for the team, for the better of the country? Like, we need to try this case. The, the world needs to see Tucker Carlson on the stand or we're not taking your billion dollars. Rutenberg, for most of my career as a reporter, I've been tracing Fox's long journey to a dividing line. On one side, journalism constitutionally protected, even if its nastiest, most slanted and ideological form is part of the brutal scrum of democracy. On the other side, knowing lies, reckless disregard for the truth, the actual malice that is at the heart of the Dominion case. The court will decide if Fox crossed that line, but the newly available records show what Fox, what drove Fox and its powerful founder to the very edge of that line, if not beyond. An audience that has reliably delivered influence and profits for decades now in the age of social media and powerfully attractive disinformation campaigns, that audience could instantly move to an even headier stuff from even more adventurous competitors. Question, what will be the impact of the resolution by settlement or by trial of this case? And, of course, it's entirely within the realm of possibility that the case gets tried and and Fox gets a defense verdict. I just don't think so. I know a little something about defamation. I've been paying close attention to this case, and I don't remember ever seeing a public plaintiff with such a clear set of facts on their side uh, to be able to meet the actual malice standard. This is the Smirconish Podcast from Sirius XM. Hey, the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails, and with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers and with available features like the panoramic moonroof. You can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. Visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. 
Can you remember a time when you thought someone you disagreed with might actually be right? In the new podcast, You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen pose that question to guests like Paul Ryan, Al Gore, and Judy Woodruff. Come for the stories, stay for the substance and expert insights into some of the most challenging issues facing the country, including affordable housing, crime, and education. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available wherever you get your podcasts. Listen to Michael live weekdays on POTUS, Sirius XM Channel 124, and on the SXM app. Josh, you're weighing in from Chicago on this impending trial against Fox News. What did you want to say? If a Fox employee says off the air, hey, this sounds kind of crazy to me, does that mean they know this isn't true or they suspect it's not true? You keep saying they knew it wasn't true, as if they had an investigation, they knew for certain, they had the facts. And I think that might be a really critical distinction. If Rupert Murdoch says, upon hearing Rudy Giuliani, this is crazy stuff, do you think that's hyperbole or do you think that's him saying it's, it's obviously not true? I think he says it sounds kind of crazy to me, and it sounds damaging. But that doesn't mean he definitively knows it's no, not I, true. I, I, I have to tell you, I don't know. I don't know how it could be any better served up than that. I, I really think you're you're stretching to try and give them the benefit of the doubt. This is really well, I crazy stuff. I, I, I'm, yet, that, that, that I haven't seen evidence that says they were certain it wasn't true. Well. Okay, I don't know. I don't know what you're looking for. I can, I've gone through the pleadings in the past. I can, I can go get them again and reread them uh, on air. Although I feel like I've already done that. I found it all to be very compelling. And it's not just that it was okay. a one-off, right? It was it was Murdoch and it was Hannity and it was Carlson, it was Brett Baer. It was all of them. How about this? Okay, here I, you're catching me cold because I don't have all my files on this in front of me. But I'll give you one. Tucker Carlson, November 16 to 2020, on 2020, quote, Sidney Powell is lying. Oh, well, that's that's much more certain. Yes. OK, I haven't heard. That. All right. I, I've got, you know, and, I, and I've got and I've got like five or ten of those at my fingertips. If I could just read quickly enough and get to them. That's what the case includes. That is what the case includes. Uh, Jay is in Charlotte, North Carolina. Hi, Jay. Greetings. Hey, thank you for taking my call. Um, sure. I, you know, I think this case will be huge for for CNN talking points, for MSNBC talking points, because they can kind of go circle that potential billion dollar payment. Uh, I think for folks that listen to Fox News, they're going to come right back and say, well, why was there not a focus on Stormy Daniels having to pay Trump's lawyer fees, and and when she lost her defamation lawsuit, and and then they'll they'll go back to the Steele dossier as another example of how uh, people in media had presented evidence as you know facts that ended up not being. And, and my concern is that it's it's really become. I think we're at the point that. Uh, uh, there's no traditional media source left, right or anywhere else that can be centered with Trump being involved in the political world at any time. And, and that's kind of disappointing because of the, the way that he came about being president as, as someone without a political background, it was almost like 
the political class was firing a warning shot to anybody that thought about running for president that wasn't from hadn't been blessed with their political uh, as a professional politician. And, and I, it's just so disappointing that everyone seems to be perfectly willing to report lies as news if they believe it will touch their viewer base. And, and I hate that for media, but, but I don't think it'll affect Fox viewers, but I do think it'll be a boon for, for CNN. They won't, I mean, they won't cover it. Oh, it'll be, It'll be, you know, chum in the water for CNN and MSNBC. Fox, I don't expect will will carry it at all. I mean, theoretically, there's a day coming. Theoretically, there's a day coming within two weeks where Tucker Carlson, Sean Hannity and others, Rupert Murdoch, are testifying in a Delaware courtroom. It's getting wide coverage everywhere except Fox. I mean, you could you could literally have Tucker Carlson on at 8 p.m followed by Sean Hannity at 9 p.m. on days that they testified in a Delaware courtroom in this action and not saying a word about it to their audience, which is why I think the check gets written. This is the Smirconish Podcast from Sirius XM. Hey, the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure-ready RAV4 Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails, and with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers and with available features like the panoramic moonroof. You can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. Visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Is America's primary system working? Is the Electoral College still the best process for electing a president? Could a third-party candidate ever be successful? In a new season of You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen gather the country's top experts to explore these issues and more as we approach the 2024 presidential election. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available now wherever you get your podcasts. Listen to Michael live weekdays on POTUS, Sirius XM channel 124 and on the SXM app. Knowledge of falsity or reckless disregard for the truth. I I think the record of this case that's been exposed publicly suggests Fox relative to the election fraud that they were putting on air had knowledge of falsity. Here, something else to consider. Tucker Carlson to his producer, November 7. The software shit is absurd. Literal quote. The producer, back to Tucker Carlson, I don't think there is evidence of voter fraud 
that swung the election. They knew. And and in terms of if they didn't have knowledge of falsity, but they had a reckless disregard for the truth. How about the fact that you remember this? I went through this in chapter and verse on the program recently. This, to me, is the most stunning thing to enter the public domain. Saturday, November 7, an email is sent from a uh, an individual. I think if I should name her or not. I don't know. I may or may not. doesn't even matter. Wait till you hear the sum and substance of it. It's sent to Sidney Powell, to Tom Fitton, and to Lou Dobbs. I was told to email you the following pieces of information. And then it goes on to say, you've probably already heard about the voting irregularities in a number of states which have one common thread, Dominion voting systems. Don't you find it curious that Nadim El-Shami, Nancy Pelosi's longtime chief of staff, is a key executive there, that Richard Bloom, Senator Feinstein's husband, is not only a significant shareholder, but so too in this company and that company. But the monopoly isn't necessarily the issue, it's the software. A piece of code was inserted such that once ballots were fed to the database for tabulation, up to 3% of the vote for Trump would automatically switch to Biden. This was capped at 3% because 3% is... This gets even nuttier. Because anything higher would be used to, would be used to raise suspicions, but that three percent would be enough to tip a tight race. It goes on to say, by the way, the magic sweet spot of three percent isn't arbitrary. That's what American Express charges merchants merchants as a transaction fee, and also happens to be the cut that Jared Kushner gets from all donations to the GOP. Just think, if you receive this letter, are your antenna up yet? You've been told that the Dominion voting machines automatically flip 3% to Biden. Why 3%? It's not arbitrary because that's what Amex uses. Oh, I, I get it. I'm going to commit fraud at Dominion. I, how, what percentage should we give to Biden? Um, how about 3%? Because that's what Amex charges. Yeah, okay. Jared Kushner gets 3% of all donations to the GOP? Really? Anyway, there's also an issue with mail-in paper ballots, not the absentee ballots, but the mail-in ballots arbitrarily sent to people, the ones that keep mysteriously appearing in the middle of the night. The paper used to print those does not have a special watermark, as is being reported. Further along, as for Mr. Dobbs, are you, it should be aware, that Mr. Ailes, Mr. Murdoch, and the handful of other non-U.S. owners of the major U.S. media outlets secretly huddle most days to determine how best to portray Trump as badly as possible. Okay, so now I'm, I'm expected to believe that Roger Ailes and Rupert Murdoch are gathering daily just to try and hurt Donald Trump. You're saying, man, Michael, this is not so nutty. All right, how about this? Again, from a letter sent to Sidney Powell. As an aside, I'll throw this out there just because it's so interesting and related. SCOTUS Justice Scalia wasn't accidentally shot during a hunting trip on John Poindexter's Texas ranch. He was purposely killed at the annual Bohemian Grove Camp, a club for members of the Mega Group, Mega, not MAGA, during a week-long human hunting expedition. Is your antenna up yet? That being said, who am I and how do I know all of this? Well... Part of the explanation as to who this person is, I've had the strangest dreams since I was a little girl. Most were just odd. Others were clearly predictions. Over time, they became more vivid, more interactive. About 10 years ago, 
An event took place that seemed to amplify these abilities by vastly more than an order of magnitude. Although the most vivid dreams take place while dozing, they're not normal dreams, but I'm not sure the Native American term visions really fits either. It's more like time travel in a semi-conscious state. All the senses are involved, but that's not all. While I'm awake, I see what others don't see and hear what others don't hear. Skipping ahead. Stranger still, I was in a car accident in 1992, and something took place that I've never been able to explain. For all intents and purposes, I was internally decapitated. And yet I live. I breathe. I shop. I laugh. I get old. I walk the earth. The wind tells me that I'm a ghost, but I don't believe it. Although it appears that I was shot in the back shortly after submitting a tip to the FBI two years ago, at the time, I thought I just tripped and fell during a walk and bruised my wrist. Okay, final line. Despite what the wind tells me, that no one can harm me, it protects me and keeps me safe, I've gotten a little off track, you think? And I'll be the first to admit that while the last bit is pretty wackadoodle, it's relevant. And I can tell you this about everything else above. Time always eventually proves me correct. All right. This individual writes this letter to the people that I referenced, one of whom was Sidney Powell. Sidney Powell forwards that to Maria Bartiromo. And as the New York Times says, if Ms. Bartiromo was deterred by the unusual email, it was not evident to Fox News viewers. Ms. Powell was interviewed on the show the next day. Listen, I told you before, I get kooky uh, letters. It goes with the territory here. A lot of prisoners reach out for me. I swear to you, I get a lot of very nutty correspondence and a lot of very wonderful correspondence. I don't want to make it sound like the mailbag is all filled with nuts, but a lot of it is. Except in this case, this nutty letter, that's what it is. It comes in to Cindy Powell. She gives it to Maria Bartiromo and Maria's like, oh, let's book her. That's what's going to come out in this trial. So my extended answer to the gentleman from Chicago says, did they know? Yeah, I think they knew. And if they didn't, they certainly were recklessly disregard, recklessly disregarding the truth. The Smirconish Podcast for independent minds. Listen to Michael Smirconish live weekdays from 9 a.m. to noon east on Sirius XM's POTUS Channel 124 or anytime on the SXM app. Connect with Michael on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and at Smirconish.com. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. You might be right. It's simple, but something you almost never hear in politics today with each side more concerned about scoring political points than solving problems. I'm Bill Haslam, a Republican. And I'm Phil Bredesen, a Democrat. We're former Tennessee governors, and we invite you to listen to our podcast, You Might Be Right. Join us and guests like Al Gore, Paul Ryan, Judy Woodruff, as we take on important issues facing our country. Listen and subscribe to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee.